Praise the Lord, church. Hallelujah. No, I had something cute all planned because it was World Series night for two really terrible teams that are going to break the curse tonight. And there, so there is one miracle that's going to happen tonight, whether you get one or not. When I was back there praying, it took about two minutes for God to say, no, you're not going to do that. You know, so my Cleveland jersey will sit right there on the pew praying through, hopefully like the rest of its team, and uh, come up with a word. I, if you're a Cub fan, I'm sorry. I, I, can't, I can't do it. Being a lifelong Cardinal fan, I can't do it. But I'm living in Cleveland and kind of living and dying with that American League team. I was glad to see both teams make it to this promised land of money and promise for all their players. And they really don't give a rip what we think, to be honest with you. Because they're going if they lose tonight, they're going to be disappointed for about a week till they get that check. And then they're going to go on their way and get ready for next year. They're going to go down to their third house in the Bahamas. And somebody's going to be moaning and groaning in, in Cleveland or Chicago, and they're going to be just fussing and fighting, oh, why didn't they win? And those players aren't going to give one thought about it because they know that next year is another opportunity. Just like whenever you come to church and you don't get what you need on Sunday, you all have to know there's a Wednesday night coming that you can get something from God. So if you're here tonight and they sang that last song, I told them before church, I happened to be sitting back there and they came back there to pray. And uh, I said, look, I said, just sing something about walls coming down and change breaking. I don't care what it is. Just find something out of your songbook that you've figured. So he pulled, he pulled that up and the, I saw the young man back there who plays drums. His eyes lit up, man, when that song came up. Because that's one of them drummer songs. You can, play, you can play that song with just a drum and never have to use a keyboard. You may be seated. God bless you. We're so glad to be here in Salem. And uh, yeah, we were raised in the area and it, it's been good to us. It, it, was a, it was a great, he, pastor called me and told me, you, you notice I said pastor Gene. We've been, we've known each other for a long time and yeah, I know I'm older than him, but I'm also smart enough to realize that when I'm going to somebody's church, I don't care what the age thing is, I must, I'm supposed to allow myself to be reproved or rebuked or corrected for the good, for the growth of my soul. And if I can't do that, then I've got no business standing up here tonight. So Pastor Gene, who is my pastor right now, I've never said this to him, but he ha that's the guy I've got to go to when things are going awry or when things are going good. It's, his door is not just for being there whenever you're having a difficulty and you're going through one of life's struggles that you brought on yourself. It's also to knock on the door and say, hey, Pastor, man, that was a great word Sunday. That was a good thing you did Sunday. And I know there's a group of people around him sometimes, and you, you feel like, well, I'll just, I'll just catch him next week. Yeah. Well, next week, all hell might break loose. <laughs> and you, you might wish you'd have said something before then. Just, you know, think about it for a second. Just think about it. But we're thankful to be here with him and his wife. And uh, Tammy couldn't be here tonight. She's busy. She's the, the contractor for our house and... I don't touch it. I don't get to touch the house. If you saw my carpenter skills, you know why. And uh, I'm good at destruction, but I'm not very good at construction. Sawzall and a sledgehammer are my favorite tools. So you can kind of get an idea what kind of finished carpenter I am. But uh, she's, she had to spend some time with some carpenters today. They're working on our place, and, and she's trying to get some stuff ready. We've got another guy coming back tomorrow. So I, I'm glad she handles all that because she likes that, and I hate it. 
I'd put, I'd concrete the whole yard to make, get the grass out of there. I'd never mow. We move again. I'm going to move into some apartment where I don't have to do any yard work, where I don't have to do anything. But if they don't, if they'll let me, I'll plant a little garden of tomatoes. Not because I even like the crazy things. I just like to watch them grow. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Well, it's Wednesday night. It's a, it's casual night. Pastor called. That's where I was going with this before then. Pastor called and said, look, it's it's casual. Well, I'm, I was raised in the auspices of R.G. Eskridge. I'm sorry. And casual to him is putting on his tennis shoes and walking three miles in his suit. I'm serious, folks. The guy would do that. He it still does it to this day. When he goes walking, he puts on his, he leaves his suit on, puts on his sneakers, and takes off walking. So it's hard for us guys that grew up in that. So when we come to church, it's automatic. You wear a tie, you wear your jacket, and you don't rip the stuff off in the middle of the service just because you get excited. Pastor is not going to change. That's just the way he is. He's going to leave. He's going to be there. He's going to have his jacket on at the end of service. He may be completely soaked through, but he's not going to take his stuff off. That's what we came out of. And the other guy was Pastor was Jonathan Urshan, and that's all I got to say about that. So I'll just leave it there. It's a wonder I can even think a thought of my own. It's a mess. I, I can even have a, a thought of my own, which sometimes is a dangerous thing in itself. Well, 2 Corinthians 10 and 1. 2 Corinthians 10 and 1. I told Brother Rob when I came in, I said, I've got no idea what I'm doing. I've got no idea what I'm going to do tonight. I have no idea what God wants to do. I've got an idea that he does want to heal somebody. And I'd like for him to heal me, to be honest with you. I fell down the stairs the other day on Halloween Day. That's not good for me with my back and neck and stuff. And all I could think about was these couple guys that I know that have fallen off ladders and busted their head, and they died at very young ages. That's the thought that hit me as soon as my feet went out from underneath me. I'm about to be one of those guys that everybody talks about. I can't believe that something happened to him like that. I can't believe he fell off that ladder. I can't believe them weights fell on him. I can't, you know, it just goes on and on. That's some stuff that happens to people, accidental. Well, I was lucky. God spared my life. I just laid there on the ground and moaned for quite a while. And my wife and my cousin and uh, my son-in-law happened to be coming in the door. It was Halloween. They'd been taking the kids out. They began to pray for me, and, and that God touched me. Because I'm telling you right now, folks, <laughs> if you see an x-ray in my back, there's no way I should have got up off that floor. So I'm thankful to God that he does keep his hand on us, even in our own moments of stupidity, like wearing socks when you're going up and down the stairs with no carpet on them. Hallelujah. I should know better. That's my third time, not in that house, of falling down the stairs. Oh, let's just go through that right now real quick. I was preaching in Cleveland, Ohio. There's a platform just about double the height of this one. And I, and I had my glasses on, and they're readers, and you know how that does with your vision. And I took one step and missed the second step. I did a somersault in midair, fell down on my rear end, but came up preaching. <laughs> it wasn't graceful, but I finished it. 7.5 on the Olympic scale. The second time, my mother-in-law was visiting us. You all know Tammy's mom recently passed away, but she used to come... Her and her, her and her husband would come and visit us whenever we were in Maine or we were in Cleveland. And I, for some reason, this guy who built our house, and this is about carpentry skills, and this all fits in later. We'll, I'll get to the message in a minute. Y'all don't get to, I don't know who's got to watch the World Series. The Cardinals aren't playing anyway, so it don't make no difference. And they, when you put stairs down, a lot of times you put them little strips down on the, the corners to make it so where it's smooth. Well, this guy decided he's going to save a little money, and he's going to take a strip and cut it in half. Instead of bringing a full one there, he's going to leave it in half. 
Well, I'm walking down the stairs carrying a, a bowl of uh, potato soup in one hand, a sandwich in the other. Sandwich. Stocking feet. My foot gets caught on that half rung on the fifth step. All I can think about when I'm laying there on the bottom is just to lay there and not move. I don't want anything to be broken. I'm hoping that there's nothing wrong. And uh, my wife heard the crash, and I heard her scream. And I heard my mother-in-law scream. And they came running to the stairs, and they began to pray and, and weep and all that stuff like that. And I told her, I said, I think I'm okay. Just give me some more soup. Let's get That'd be a good title for my next message, Save the Soup. All right. 2 Corinthians 10 and 1. Now, Paul, I myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some which think as of us as if we walked according to the flesh. In other words, we're not like everybody else. That's the basic. I mean, he could have stopped it and did a lot of the, cut a lot of that out and said, we're not like everybody else. Everybody else has religious practices, and they still walk the same way and talk the same way. We're not like that. We, we, we may operate in the flesh, but we're not the flesh. We, we have to walk a different way, and we have to talk a different way. We have to look a different way. I'm going to wipe off my mouth there a little bit for that one. We need to look a different way. Some folks struggle with that nowadays. They do. They struggle with apostolic holiness and separation. If you're new here tonight, please understand, I wasn't raised this way. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't always wear a suit. Yeah. Believe me. I, I, I grew up as a rag muffin of a kid and uh, wore hand-me-downs most of my life and, and understand what it's like to be poor and eat poor food and, and stuff like that. And I, I wasn't raised on chitlins and greens or nothing like that, but I, I was... <laughs> I do like greens, by the way, but that's just, if they're cooked, they're all right, I like them. But, I mean, I was raised on bologna and hamburger. Anybody else can relate to that? You know, anybody know what bologna is? You know anybody know what brown swagger is? Wow, we almost had revival right there. I say brown swagger, somebody else would be shouting. Praise the Lord. That's more than some of you shouted all week long right there. Hallelujah. Pastor going to get up next Sunday and go, brown swagger. Man, people are going to run the aisles. You got to have mustard too. If you don't have that good German mustard, it's not worth it. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I don't know about the writer of this, but I I don't battle the devil so much. The devil ain't a big deal to me anymore. But man, I tell you what, the guy I look at in the mirror every morning is the guy that I have to face off with all the time. And some of the things that, that attack me are the things that I've been battling my whole life. Alcoholism. Pornography. Ooh, let's just step on some stuff here tonight. Why don't we? All the things that maybe as a man you face. Girls, I don't know about you. I know some of this stuff affects you too. But let me just talk to the guys here for a minute. Those same things that you battled whenever you were in high school and junior high and all those little spirits and all the lustful thoughts you had in your mind when you were going through all this stuff and all your hormones were raising. Guess what? As you get older and you get more mature in the spirit, what happens is that you should be able to control that thought process in your mind but you will not be able to control when and where those things come back on you 
but you don't have to grab a hold of them and you don't have to let them take a hold of you. You can't throw them off. The war, the war for me is not, is not battling my flesh. It's battling the things of the flesh, saying, look, you don't have dominion over me any longer. You don't have control over me any longer. And I have control over you through what? Through the power of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And, and we're going to talk tonight just for a little bit about breaking bonds and tearing down strongholds. Hallelujah. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. And, and there's another one. Mighty, we, we, we sometimes skip through that and go, we forget about the, wh- how our weapons are, are effective. And it's not because we have more knowledge than anybody else. It's not because I'm better looking than somebody else. It's not because I can hit my five iron straight. It's not because I can sew or I can do anything else or I'm the best cook. It's because everything that I do has to be mighty through God. Because if it doesn't, then it's not going to pull down anything. It's not going to pull down a stronghold. It's not going to pull down some kid's fort that he built in the backyard. It won't pull down anything unless we realize where our strength actually lies. It's not in my arms. It's not in my legs. It's not in my brain. It's in my understanding that the Spirit is supposed to rule and guide my life through God. My Spirit will operate whether I'm saved or not. See, I have, a, I have a man's spirit. I have the spirit of a human. And it's going to operate whether God comes into my life or not. You're sitting here tonight, and maybe you're struggling with something, and it, you've been battling it for quite a while, or maybe you just it just this week started up with you. You need to understand that the spirit of God that you allow to come into your life, and not the amount, because there is no amount. Oh, hallelujah. You, we got this understanding. We think of ourselves as like this one-gallon jug. And the older folks have like this three-quarters of a gallon. We, as young people, we kind of think of it that way, I think. And as young people, maybe we've got like a fourth of a gallon or a pint in our system. And that's not the way it is. Not even experience is, is that way. Not, not even maturity is that way. We either accept the fact that we understand that God wants to fill us up or we shortchange God and we allow ourselves to keep something off the top for ourselves and allow our spirit to control God's spirit. Hallelujah. And the reason I know that is because in the Bible it talks about that there was a prophet, I think by the name of Isaiah, who was younger than all the rest of the prophets around. The age has nothing to do with the influence of God in your life. What has to do with the influence of God in your life is you. And you either got to take the top off the jug and allow God to go ahead and finish filling you. And, and you think, well, I'm full. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I, I've spoken in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And that's a wonderful experience. And I've repented of my sins and I've been baptized in Jesus' name by immersion. And then on Sunday morning you come in and you don't do anything. I'm going to get caught up in this thing. I'll be hanging from the ceiling by this time night's over. I'm like a deer that's just been shot in the field. Folks, we have to understand this. Do you consider yourself a revival church? Oh, somebody. I'm so sorry, Pastor. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm sorry. How many people did you bring last Sunday? 
You know I'm turning my back right now. There's a reason for that. So I don't want nobody to get hurt feelings. I'm going to tell you, I, I guarantee you, without a doubt, I invited more people to this church last week than you did. And I only went to two places in town. Arby's and the Shell Station. And that's my two stops usually in Salem when I come to town on Sundays, besides here. And the person at Arby's window, every time, gets an invitation to come down here to the Apostolic Church. I said, here's my, here's my opening line. Have you ever seen a church without any walls? So it's, a, it's a conversation opener, and that's what it takes sometimes when you're trying to bring somebody to church. So think about that for a minute. When you answer that question, you're a revival church. Yeah, you're enjoying the revival that's being produced by other folks. Because revival is about one thing, changing something that's dead into something that's alive. And you can have a, a spirit and a season of revival, or you can have a consistent season of revival, or you can have a lifetime of revival. The choice really is just your own. It's what you decide to make it. It's what you decide to make of the assembly you belong to. And it's not his responsibility to go out into the highways and the byways and to reach people that are in your family and to reach people that you work with. It is our responsibility. Our responsibility. I remember when I was working at Sandoval that I had an opportunity to sit down and talk with one of the people there. And they started asking me questions about, about church and about God and about things. And it ended up that we ended up sitting there in their office and praying together and tears coming down their face. You say, I'm not even giving you gender because I don't want nobody to know because she would know who it was in a heartbeat. <laughs> and, and, and the thing about it is there are so many hungry people out there, folks, that are just looking for an opportunity. They're looking for a door opening. They're looking for somebody who's got a wisecrack answer to an eternal question. Do you know, or is it, have you ever been to a church with no walls? What an opening line you can use on somebody. Breaking down, tearing down strongholds. Breaking bonds and tearing down strongholds. One of the biggest bonds that we have in our own life is being able to share what we've got with somebody else next to us. It, we, we become intimidated by our own success. We become intimidated by our own religion. We get intimidated by the God spirit. And, we don't, and while we'll come in church and with the corporate body, we'll worship and shout and praise sometimes. Not 100%, but sometimes. And, but we also understand that we run into people all the time. You say, well, Brother Mason, am I supposed to ask somebody to church every time I meet somebody? No. And here's why I say no. Because sometimes you have to wait for God to open that door. But if you'll be willing and let God open the door for you, he will open the door for you. Every person ain't going to want to hear what you got to say. There are people that you live with in your own home that couldn't care less about coming to church. They don't want to hear it. Stop asking them. Find a stranger, and I guarantee you God will open a door for you to share what you've got. Break that bond in your life and tear down that stronghold in your life, and then you can call yourself a revivalist. 
Brother McIntosh, we, we ride a lot together. He's in town there. And of course, he started the church, or he passes the church that Tammy and I started. And he is always telling me whenever we go someplace, we'll go in someplace, go to a restaurant or something. I'm always asking him. I said, you got any, any of your business cards? I don't keep them with me. He said, yeah, I maybe have a couple in the truck. I said, go get them. And it, and it just invariably opens the door. And, I, and there's two things I'm trying to do there. Jason's my nephew. I want to instill in him the importance of being able to reach out in that area that he's in right now because that's how we started that church and that's how we were able to raise it up to almost 100 folks and i know some folks are sitting there going well if you know all these answers why aren't you doing it now that's something you got to ask god about because up to me i'd be there right now somewhere i'd still be in cleveland right now if it was up to me but you also got to know when it's time to get yourself out of town. You got to know when it's time to pull the plug. You got to know when it's time to back off and not step on people anymore. You got to know when it's time by listening to God that, hey, this is not the right place or the right time for me to be doing this. And that's where you got to understand when you're dealing with people, understanding where you're going to be five minutes from the time you walk in the door and saying, are they going to listen? And you can tell pretty quickly God's going to let you know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Imaginations. Wow. Anybody here ever imagine winning the lottery? You liar. You made a list and everything already of what you were going to buy. You, 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 you said when that guy won that $450 million in Indiana, I guarantee you the next day his pen and paper was out and he was trying to figure out what he was going to do. And here's probably what he was thinking. He's going to put a new room on the house. You can buy 5,500 houses now and you're worried about putting a room on the house. The old Jeff Foxworthy line, he's going to put another room on the trailer for his grandpa. That was his estimation of a lottery going to buy a bunch of plates with chickens on them now and sometimes that's how we are with the spirit of god that we have all the stuff that we think that we could do and god wants us to have so much more god wants you to know that you don't have to have and worry about a collection of something that's going to gather dust and break but he's going to give you something that's going to withstand every test of time. And everything that comes in your way, he, he will withstand tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll try to do better here in a minute. Thank you very much. Casting down imaginations and every high thing. Oh, I'd like to win the lottery. I'm sorry, I skipped the scripture right there. I'd love to win the lottery if I played it. Well, I don't see, I mean, I have a problem with gambling, of course. But if one of you guys wins it, would you please pay your tithes? Please. So I'd like to see this new church built again before I leave. Seriously, I'd like to see you guys have a new sanctuary. Anybody like that idea? Three people. And I got these weird glasses on. Let me ask that again because I had weird glasses on. I couldn't see nobody's face. Does anybody, anybody want to see you building a new sanctuary? That was five people. And so... I know, you know, I know you've been involved in, in giving and planning and all this stuff and done a wonderful job, and that's a great facility over there. That's a great blessing that God has given you. But you know what? If, if that's where you think that that's where it's going to stop, you need to do something with that spirit that's inside of you and understand God is wanting to take this a whole nother level. 
And I understand that. Tammy and I walk in here and we're amazed. We're not in shock at all because we know Pastor and Sister Jean. And we've known this church. We know what this church started at right here. And we were here when Brother Sister Kidder established this work. And we understand the vision that people had for this church. And we understand what the vision is right now. You have an unlimited supply of new people that are going to be attached to your church because of the school and the daycare. And that's why you do these things. Nobody in their right mind would have a school and a daycare. You say, well, we're doing, some people say, well, we're doing to bless the children. You are not. It's about outreach. It's about making connections with people. It's about inviting people who don't have any, any reason to come, in, come into this church. It's about so they will feel comfortable. Well, that's where my kids go to daycare. I think I'll just go check that out. That's where my kids, they want to go to school someplace else. My school is having a mess. I think I want to, and I asked them about sending my kids down there. It's about reaching everything we do. It's about tearing down a bond and tearing down stronghold. Hallelujah. It might be one person at a time. But it works, hallelujah, and it's working right now. I haven't even slapped you around yet tonight. I don't know what the problem is. I must really be losing or something. I'm talking about my brother back here. He's Brother Rob and I have been through a lot of stuff, man. We've <laughs> we've had a lot of experiences together, and all of them good, all of them spiritual. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that was perfect scripture right there, casting down imaginations, hallelujah. Every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When I make a mistake, I want to make it right. Oh, that was the interpretation of that scripture, I'm sorry. Whenever I make a mistake, I want to make it right. If I've caused somebody some grief, I want to make sure that I take care of that. If I've messed up in church, and I, or I've messed up on the job, or I've messed up in front of people, if I pulled uh, an Apostle Peter episode, and at the fire I said something I shouldn't have said, I want to make sure that I fix it. I want to cast down my imaginations. I want to bring it into captivity and every thought to the obedience of Christ. Lord, let my walk, Lord, talk for me. Let, let me say it again real slow for those of you that are hard of hearing. Lord, let my walk be my talk. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, don't, I shouldn't even have to say something to somebody and they could ask me, do you go to church somewhere? There's my door opening. Yes, I go to a church with no walls. <laughs> and then they look at you like you've been drinking. And I said, that's okay, because it's a profound statement. And, and we're, we're living with a profound statement right now, tonight, because we underuse these weapons of our warfare every day. We don't take advantage of the things that God has for us. We're here on Wednesday night. We're, we're kind of tracing the steps of our brothers and sisters who have gone on before us, even the ones right here in this particular account of the Scripture. And we, we, need, and we do this because we need, we're here on Wednesday night because we need the kind of intervention, the, the Holy Ghost response that I and you and many other people, you're here on Wednesday night, so you must feel like there needs to be something that has to happen in the middle of your week to make your life feel fulfilled and to be able to walk with the fulfillment in God. 
I know everybody's not here tonight, and I know everybody can't be here. I know people work, and there's all kinds of stuff that's going on. There's school things and things like that. But these are things that are weapons of our warfare that we don't take advantage of Wednesday night. Next time you see somebody, and they're going through a bunch of junk, ask them, at, when was the last time you were at Wednesday night service? Oh, I... Wednesday night. And here's the answer you're going to get if they haven't been. Oh, Wednesday night service. Well, I, I go on Sunday morning. That's when all the stuff happens. There's stuff happening on Wednesday night, too. There's already been some stuff happening tonight already. There was stuff happening before you got to church. I know pastors saying amen. Hallelujah. We need a Jesus intervention. Holy Ghost response. And we need to see the Lord operating on the way that he did on the day of Pentecost. And, and we need to see that apostolic, you need to see the apostolic uh, an outpouring. I need to see an apostolic outpouring, not only just here in Salem, but something that will flood over the walls and start beginning attaching itself to other places so that this is not just a single lighthouse that doesn't have any walls, but there are other churches that actually get to experience what you guys experience on Sunday morning on a repeated basis, where you get to see and be excited about 350 people coming in the doors of your church. This is not an isolated event, folks. It needs to be something that's an event that happens every place that we have a church. Hallelujah. And I know it's not our responsibility for some of those other places because there's not really anything we can do about that. But maybe sometime in our life we'll be able to share with somebody and help them understand why it's happening here and some places are still dragging the plow like in dragging it on concrete. He preaches all over the place. He sees this. I preach all over the place now, and I see it much more than I ever did before, where I see churches that are almost anti-revivalist. They're comfortable with being in an era of disobedience to the Spirit. They're happy with 50 people, and that's it. As long as it's just their family, and they can do everything, then they're happy. But as soon as somebody new comes in and the reverend decides, hey, maybe I can use him as a praise singer, you'll see somebody's dander fly up because little sister Susie did, missed her turn on a Sunday morning, hallelujah, and she got a bad attitude. That attitude that can, where, where am I going, hallelujah? I'm doing something, I don't know what it is, but it's something. And it's not any place on my notes, I guarantee you right now. But I want you to know, folks, this is a great church. This isn't a good church. This is a great church. And I heard Pastor just say something. We don't want to get comfortable. And I heard him preach Sunday morning, and he was ripping our faces off in love. I was like sitting back here with Tammy going like, I'm afraid to move. I'm afraid he's going to see me. But the reason that that's that way is because there, there comes a time in our hearts that we understand where, where he's at. He understands where you're at. I'm not the pastor here, but as I come in and I've, been, I've seen some things come around, I, I feel like you're at that point also. You're at the point where this thing could just go out of its mind spiritually. 
Are any of the people that are on the sign up there of, for sickness, are any, of, are any of you here tonight, any of you with the cancer issues here tonight? I don't, say, I don't know where they're all at. I don't know if they're all part of the church. Is somebody here? She left? Okay. Is she going to come back? Somebody go grab her. No, I'm just kidding. But tonight before this is over, I, I believe that God wants to heal. And I felt that this whole, this whole service and, and while I was praying back in the back, this kept coming to my mind about God. And I, and I saw those names up there and I said, Lord, you, you used healing as the largest billboard that anybody's ever had. You used your ability to heal to call people and bring them close to you so you could teach them about the kingdom of God. And I believe that that's what God has got planned for this church, is that he is going to use these magnificent, we call them miracles, of healing that God is going to use, and he's going to allow people to see, not because he's trying to isolate us as the only avenue or the only faucet of his spirit, but because we're open to it. Oh, let me try that just maybe one more time. I was raised Methodist, and I want to tell you something. Before you ever came around, we was already here. We were already holy rollers. We were already speaking in tongues. Unfortunately, now it's changed a little bit. And the folks that I love dearly and that church that I love dearly and invested my young life in doing lay witness mission and working in their youth group, that thing has changed and gotten to the point where I don't know what kind of spirit it's got now. But I will tell you right now that if we do not concentrate on the things that God is imparting to us every Sunday and every Wednesday, and if we don't push ourselves to the place where we don't allow the cares of life to rob from us the Spirit of God that God's trying to impart to us, then we will miss out on the opportunity of eternity. Oh, we'll be saved because we've got the Holy Ghost and because we are baptized. But we'll miss out on the personal thing that God's trying to do with our lives. And I'll guarantee if I ask this question, how many of you feel fulfilled in your walk with God? I don't know that many of you are going to raise your hand. Because everybody here probably thinks they could probably do more. And they probably always wish they looked behind and say, oh, I wish I'd done that. Or I wish I'd done this. Or I wish I'd done... And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with looking back at the past as long as you don't let the past become the rule over your life. But what you need to understand is there's a reason that you can look in the past and not the future. is because the future's not written yet. And because you're living in the half second of now, which is your present... Na, 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 na. That God wants to let you know your past doesn't have to be something that's a repeated thing. Hey, you may have gotten pregnant out of wedlock, or maybe you caused some kind of problem in your life, but just because that happened doesn't mean that has to be your life story. It doesn't mean it has to be the thing that dictates who you are. It can be the thing that can propel you to a new place in God. By letting your adversity become the propelling point. By letting your adversity become the jumping off point. By letting your hurt become the thing that heals. Hallelujah. By letting your problem become the thing that gives you promise. Hallelujah. You will be able to move from one place to another in God. Amen. Just like watching Frogger go across the road. Boo-doop. Boo-doop. Just don't get hit by the truck. I, that's how my mind works, I'm sorry. I teach special ed, what can I say? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, I feel right at home. 
There's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. And what's at stake is a move of the spirit of an unprecedented scale that can and will change every aspect of your city for the next decade and until Jesus comes for his church. I wanted to screen that out, but I just wanted to leave that to you in a sentence form. This, at stake is your kids' lives. At stake is your kids' kids' lives. I don't know how long it's going to be before Jesus comes. I don't think if Hillary Clinton gets elected, Jesus is going to come because she's the Antichrist. Well, and I don't believe if Donald Trump gets elected, the Russians are going to come in and we're all going to be speaking Russian here in the next week. But I believe that we, the time that we have and is given to us is the same thing that's happened with the guy that was given 10 talents and the guy that was given this many talents and the guy that was given one talent. If we're afraid of the time that we live in and we're afraid of the master and we're only looking for the rapture, that's all we've got on our mind, then we're going to miss the opportunity to have a fulfilled life in Christ. I, I, I frustrate myself all the time. I really do. I, I, I look back and I see mistakes and things that I've made in my life and I, I see errors and things I should have done different. And, and I told Tammy this the other day, I said, man, if we, if we start doing this again, we're going to do it a lot different than we've done it before. We're going to make sure that we protect some things. We're going to make sure that some things are in order. We're going to make sure this and that and this and that. And you know what? That's well and good to plan it, but until you get to that point, you'll never know what's going to happen. But you've got to plan. And you've got to make plans, hallelujah. And you all are making plans right now. That's why I talked about your other building that you're planning on building here in the next couple weeks. i got a guy in Maine I preach for. He's a wonderful gentleman. Uh, Larry Royks is just, they're just great people, him and his wife. And they're hard workers. They own a couple, two or three businesses. They're, they're in Livermore Falls there. And, and the Brother Royks, He's got an older church they've been working on for about 150 years. And, they, and the church is about 150 years old, and they keep working. He says, but, he says, but Mason, he says, I'm going to build, I'm, I'm going to build an educational wing next to my church. Now, you've you got to get a picture of where he's at. He's in Livermore Falls. It's way off the beaten path. It's a town, it's, a, it's not a small town, but it's not a large town. It's about the size of Salem, to be honest with you. He said, I'm going to build a $900,000 educational wing for my church. And that's about the response that he got from the church. That's almost the same one. And I got up and I said, you know, if we don't, if we don't at least have enough faith to at least acknowledge the pastor's faith, what are we doing here? If we don't have enough faith, and I'm not talking about buildings now, I'm just talking about individuals. Have, have an opportunity to tune in to what's going on around you aside from just Sunday morning. Have an opportunity to tune in and get your face off that monitor for two seconds. Turn off the iPad. I'm preaching out of one, by the way. But at least I'm doing the scriptures, and I'm not playing Frogger on it during service. Well, the kids will behave better if I let them have that, really. I'm going to tell you what the kids are going to do. By the time they're 15, if you don't get their face out of that, they're going to be in my class. They'll have no attention for anything. They won't listen to nobody. They won't pay attention to their English teacher trying to make them, get, show them how to construct a complete sentence. And, and you're going to go to a job, and they're not going to be able to write their own name in cursive anymore. 
Why? Because we just don't believe what the pastor tells us sometimes is really true. And so we sit there with a spirit of disobedience, and God's trying to call us to a spirit of obedience so that he can meld us and mold us and bring the church to a place where, and this is a great church. Think what it's like outside the doors of your church. And you'll understand and see what we see sometimes when we're out there and understand how great and how wonderful it is here and it's wonderful on Sunday morning and it's wonderful on Sunday night but on that Monday and Tuesday when you're not doing nothing but letting your mind wander and giving an idea and a place for your mind to go where's your mind going is it still responding to the things of God that pastor has taught about is it still responding to the things of God that have been brought to you are you or are you lacking and you don't know how to get to the trough anymore to drink for yourself You depend so much on service night that you cannot wait until service night because you know that your mind and your heart and your life is a wreck. Pardon me, my iPad was turning off. How much? We started at what time, Rob? Seven? I've gone a little too long, brother. This is supposed to be a short message. This is supposed to be very short. We're supposed to get in t- home in time for the ninth inning. We need to gird ourselves. I'm, no, I'm going to skip to the last. Okay, I'll just skip to the very ending. I'll, I, I was going to go through the, the weapons of warfare, and we could go through them a little bit. Maybe we can do it another night. I don't know. We know the weapons of the warfare that they list, they list for us here in the Scriptures about the whole armor of God, and we, we've heard people teach on that, and we, we know all that. But here's some weapons that maybe you forgot about. Faithfulness. Whether you know it or not, your faithfulness is a weapon. No matter what happens, you tell the devil and you tell your, you tell your flesh, I am going to go to Wednesday night service. I am going to be here on Sunday morning. I am going to I'm going to attend Sunday night, and I'm going to try my best to do every service in between because I don't want my flesh telling me I'm too tired, it's too far, and I'm talking to myself right now, it's too far, it's, it's too much trouble to get up and go. It's just easier for me to sit at home and relax instead of coming here and being part of the family of God. Jesus talked about this. He talks about it not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Even so much more as you see what? The day approaching. We get excited about the rapture. We get excited when brother, what's his name in, in Indiana, is talking about the end times. Hallelujah. And we, we all buy the magazine, but we don't understand the weapons that we have. Faithfulness is one of your big weapons that you can use, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves. You'll never stand, you'll never stand in the world. You'll never last in this world standing alone in a corner somewhere, forsaking first your relationship with Jesus. And no matter what excuse you try and attach to it, this world will drain the life right out of you. You will not be able to withstand the onslaught as day by day you will wilt away spiritually. Stop the destruction of your soul. Stop the destruction of your family's souls. Stop hallelujah the destruction of your very future pick up the weapon of faithfulness again commit thyself and let the lord heal you once and for good today because faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it hallelujah sorry i didn't mean to yell well i did a little bit the second one is your christian family 
And that can be a lot of things. It can be your family at home, Christian people that you have living around you, and your Christian family here at church. Timothy 3 and 15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Hallelujah. If you're looking for something to build your life on, your family's life and your future on, you make investments in stocks and bonds, set your financial portfolios in order, but your marriage may still run in ruin, your children may not have any moral balance or guide in their life, and you need the church, hallelujah, the example of God's Christian family. You need the weapon of Christ's love that passes all understanding. And I'm telling you what it is. It is the Christian family because they love you when they shouldn't. When he should kick your butt right out of church. I'm sorry, you can't say butt. I'm sorry. I did it again. When he should kick your hindquarters out of the church. Hey, I'm, I'm, and I'm preaching exactly what I've been taught. I sat in Pastor Urshan's office one afternoon, one evening before church. And he looked at me and he said, Bobby, I ought to kick you out of my church. Now, when you're 16... And Brother Urshan had a way of intimidating people. He still intimidates me now, and he's dead. I'm afraid he's going to come back, pull my ear again, set me down in the front row. Yeah, he's not going to be very happy after that last one. I'll tell you that right now. That's what he told me. I'm looking right at him. He says, I ought to kick you out of this church. Now, I won't go into what all the situation was, but it had to do with a young lady. We weren't married. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, and I'm the only person that's ever been through that. No other young man in here has ever had to face off that kind of stuff. Gee, many Christmas. But I want to tell you something. He was absolutely right, and I was absolutely wrong. And I learned a lesson from that point on, and I straightened myself up, and I made it go, and I made it fly right, and I have not been in that kind of trouble ever, ever again. You can just use your imagination if you want to, what kind of trouble it was, because some of you are trying to figure it out now. You need that weapon of Christ's love that passes all understanding. I got five more minutes. I'm done. If you want to come to the instruments to give everybody hope. These additional weapons added to the already formable arsenal that the Lord... You know, you'll be home with your feet up before I ever get to Sandoval. So, you know, give me a break. If we would just use what the Lord has given us, there will be no defeat. The Lord has given us His Word. The Lord has given us his name. The Lord has given us his blood. Hallelujah. All these things we, that are New Testament weapons that we forget about. We read about the weapons. We got the sword. We got the shield. We got our feet shot of the preparation of the gospel of peace, even though we sometimes don't practice that. But then we forget about the fact that he's covered us with his blood. I never considered that to be a weapon. It is a weapon. It's a weapon for you to use against you. See, the biggest weapons you need are not the weapons to overcome the enemy because the enemy, I got news for you, is you. Enemy could be your family sometimes. They don't support your Christian lifestyle, make fun of you. People you work with make fun of you. People you go to school with make fun of you. Tamar and Jada Sago were two girls that went to a school of 5,000 people by themselves in Chicago, Illinois, and ended up winning a dozen kids to have their own youth group. 
I need to pray for them right now because what the devil couldn't do to them at a young age, he's trying to do to them at an older age. And I love those girls dearly and their family also. Please pray for Sister Isla Sago who suffered a stroke, as a matter of fact. Not in really good shape. You're here tonight and you need a touch from God. I know it's Wednesday. I know the World Series is on. I know that some of you have worked a long time today and you're tired and you're faithful. You're faithful. You come to church and you give. You marched in the, in the offering line and you give. And you're here on Sundays and you invest yourself in praise and you invest yourself in prayer and you invest yourself in other ways in this church. And you say, Brother Mason, why, why are you getting on to me tonight? And I'm not getting on to you at all. I want to help you break down bonds and tear down strongholds. Because I guarantee you, every one of us face it off against stuff that we've battled for a long time and we've had trouble getting over it. For some people, it's sexual stuff. For some other people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's drugs. Some people, it's smoking. Some people, it's just illicit lifestyles. Some people, it's gambling. Some, it just goes, the list goes on and on. It doesn't have to be just one thing. It's everything all together. Maybe it's your health. I can raise my hand on that one right now because I get so frustrated. I get tired of falling down the stairs. I guarantee I won't have many more left in me. But I'd rather fall down the stairs naturally than fall down the stairs spiritually. I'll take a tumble down them stairs any day of the week as long as I can keep my soul safe. Some of you are walking precariously close to the edge of the stairs. you got socks on and you don't even know it. You're carrying one hand, you're carrying something you shouldn't be, and the other hand's got something it shouldn't be, and you're wondering why you're falling. I was wondering that when I was falling off the stairs. Why am I falling? Am I going to live through this? You're asking yourself that same thing after you've already done it. You've already done, done a sin, or you've already done something wrong, and, and you've let it get to you, and now you just compound the problem by asking yourself, are you going to live through this? Yes, you will live through it if you will just repent. Ask, turn around from that thing and walk with God. And you say, oh, it's too easy. No, it's not. See, sin is easy. So is living for God. It's just a matter of where you turn your heart and your mind to. Which stronghold are you going to break down? Are you going to break down your spiritual stronghold where God can't do something for you? Or are you going to build a stronghold that says keep the enemy out? Let's stand. I thank Pastor for the opportunity to speak tonight. Ask, and if you're here tonight, once again, I, I still believe that with my whole heart. I know that maybe the lady is gone or she's not here. But if you have had, and let me break this down. For every person, there's degrees of severity in your life. If you feel like you have a severe health problem that is, is damaging your faith, I want you just right now, take a step out right now. And come on up here, next, right up here on the right-hand side by Pastor. Come on, we don't want to take too much time. We've all been here for quite a while. I've rambled on long enough. If you need the Holy Ghost, see, you didn't know this was going to happen on Wednesday night, did you? You thought you were just going to get done and go on back and see the Cubs lose. I had to get that in somewhere. I'm sorry. Might as well be the altar call. If you, if you need the Holy Ghost, or you have not, you don't feel like, you are touching God the way that you know that God wants you to touch his throne.
that made no sense at all. But maybe it made sense to somebody out there who needed to hear it. You struggle with reaching up and touching his throne because you just feel like you've got a weight on your brain and on your heart and even on your hands and your feet. I want you to come right now very quickly. Come on up here to the left, this left-hand side of the pulpit. If you, Once again, if you've got a health issue, I want you to come up right now and let God touch you. Hallelujah. Just begin to pray, young man. I thank you for your faith. See, faith right there will energize something to happen to him tonight, for him tonight. Hallelujah. If you if you if you are faithful and you want to pray for somebody, I'd like for you to, and you know, and you love this young man. Why don't you come and just come up here right around him and whoever else comes up here, just come on up here and pray for them right now in Jesus' name.